Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Per Nielsen. I'm one of the pastors here at Hosanna. It is such a joy to be here with you today. Welcome to all of our campuses, to those who are worshiping with us online, and a special welcome to those who are joining us for the very first time and the over 40-plus families that are joining us for the celebration of baptism in the name of Jesus. Uh, we do believe that God has a purpose for each and every one of you being here, and that may be a new thought to some of you, and if it is, I just invite you right here and right now to ask this question. Could God have a purpose for me being here today? We believe that to be true. Uh, but do you believe it to be true? If you call Hosanna your church home, uh, thank you so much for your Jesus-like stewardship. Um, one of the things that Jesus says about giving is this, that giving is good for you. That's my translation, but it's kind of the way he says it in scriptures. Giving is good for you, and so we've made it really easy to give. Uh, you can give on our website, you can give through our app, you can give through uh, the boxes as you exit worship today, um, or you can simply text Hosanna Give to 94000. So I want to begin my message today by just sharing a little bit from my heart, um, a little bit about a gift that the Lord has given me um, over the course of the last 40 plus years of being intentional about following Jesus, uh, walking in the dust of my Savior's feet, um, having fallen and having been challenged and encountered difficulties and, and having been forgiven. And the gift that I want to talk about is gratitude. Gratitude. And it's gratitude really on two levels. Number one, gratitude for what Jesus has done for me, that even while I was still a sinner, Jesus died for me. And then gratitude for the amazing people who surrounded my life, people who loved Jesus, who were following Jesus, and then encouraged me to follow Jesus as well. People like my mom and dad, people like my early mentors, Rocky and John, uh, great friends, uh, Gary and Scott, and Scott, all of those individuals who, who shaped my life in such a manner that, that it just gave birth to the grace of God and the gift of gratitude in the very depth of my heart. And that gift of gratitude has been a remarkable gift. It really has. It's been an absolutely remarkable gift. You see, gratitude has helped me deal with three great societal ills, resentment, judgment, entitlement. In fact, gratitude has transformed those three into contentment, or as one of my seminary students, Jenna says, into a sense of fulfillment in life. Gratitude has appropriately anchored my past, and for today's message, allows me to move out into the future with hope in my heart, with a passion for sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, to continue this walk of faith and bearing fruit for his kingdom. So over the past four weeks, we've been in this series about following Jesus. What does it mean to follow Jesus? And in week one, we had this challenge that was set before us because every invitation from Jesus comes with a bit of a challenge. And the first challenge was come and see. And that is really a challenge to explore who Jesus is, his truth claims, what it might mean for my life. The second week, we talked about follow me. This is where we make a commitment to Jesus. Uh, we might talk about this as a time where we are born again, where he becomes the Lord of our life. We may even make a decision to be baptized or recommit our lives to Christ. Last week, Pastor Ryan talked about that next level of following, to follow and fish, to be intentional about taking this life that I've been given and bringing it out into the world, looking at others 
being purposeful about bringing the gift of Jesus into the lives of other people. Today, we're moving into the fourth challenge. And in the fourth challenge, we have to shift metaphors a little bit. We're gonna move from fish to fruit, from catching to growing. And so this fourth challenge is this, bear fruit. And not just any fruit, but fruit that will last. If you have a Bible with you, I'm gonna invite you to open up to John's Gospel in the 15th chapter. John's Gospel, the 15th chapter, beginning at verse one, we see this remarkable narrative. Jesus is with his disciples, and this is a section of scripture that is called his farewell discourse. What has taken place to this point in time is that Jesus has washed the feet of his disciples, he shared his last meal with his disciples, and now it's the Thursday night before he will actually be handed over to be crucified. He's spending his last time with his disciples. And during that time, he is sending forth some of these most important things. And so he tells them things like this. You're gonna do greater works than I did. And you're gonna do that because of the Holy Spirit that's going to come upon you. Uh, you're gonna be challenged. You're gonna have some points of difficulty in life. In fact, you're gonna have a lot of points of difficulty. But ultimately, you are called to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. John's Gospel, the 15th chapter, starting at verse one. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. It's important to note here that, that this notion of bearing fruit really has two components to it. The first of them is this, that we want to bear the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, which is Hosanna's mission. We wanna be a church that looks more like Jesus, and the second is that we want to multiply this person of Jesus. That is our vision, to multiply the hope and the heartbeat of Jesus. Jesus is setting before all who are listening to him an image, a vision that they would understand. They grasp the notion of a vineyard, of a grapevine, and what it means for their life. And they recognize that a gardener tends to that grapevine. They also know the significance of the fruit being born on those grapevines. The significance of the fruit being born on those grapevines is that, is that it provides sustenance in terms of what we eat and what we drink, but it also is there to replicate the vine. Because you see, every grape contains the seeds of replication. So what is good for nutrition is also good for replication. Now hear this in the context of Psalm 34. Psalm 34 says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. The goodness of God that is there to nourish us and sustain us, to be our nutrition, is the same goodness that gets multiplied out into the world. And then Jesus says, as part of this, something that's rather radical. He says, I'm not just any old vine. I am the true vine, the true vine. The notion of truth is a significant part of John's gospel, particularly as it pertains directly to the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, the word for truth gets used over 50 times in various contexts, almost always relating to Jesus' identity. One of the places comes just prior to this in John's gospel, the 14th chapter, where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
Jesus is setting forth this radical notion that there's a lot of vines out there, but there's a true vine. There's a lot of things that people could get connected to, but there's one that's going to birth the fruit of the kingdom of God. What does that mean? It means that there are some false vines. There are vines that are not helpful for the kingdom of God. There are, there are vines that won't give birth to the fruit of Jesus. And it's almost certain that Jesus would have been referring to some of these as, as a point of contrast. Things like any number of forms of idolatry or religious practices that were not a part of the Judeo-Christian process at that point in time. He would have been referring to the number of vines of self, self-centeredness, self-indulgent. He would have been referring to things like worldly points of engagement, success, grandeur, power, the government. You can't get plugged into the government and experience the fruit of Jesus Christ if that's your primary source of nutrition. You can't get plugged into anything that is worldly, he says, if that is your primary source of nutrition. And so he, he recognizes that there are true and there is false. And in the context of this, he begins pointing those who are listening to how the false gets tended to, how the things that aren't producing fruit get tended to. And very honestly, this is where it starts to get just a, a little bit challenging. His, his, his message starts to get a little bit challenging. It's certainly practical, but it's very challenging. Let's see what he says. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. Hmm. Now, this is one of those passages that all of us recognize at some level the importance of pruning, don't we? I just happen to have a little pruning tool with me today. I don't know how that got in my back pocket, but, but there it is. We, we all recognize to some degree the importance of pruning uh, for somebody else. <laughs> but when we apply it to our own life, that's when it gets challenging. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's looking us square in the eye and he's saying pruning is good for you. Not just somebody else, for you. If you wanna bear fruit for my kingdom, pruning is good for you. And the truth of that matter is that some of that pruning is, is delicate and small. There are some small things that we can kind of clip away in life. And then some of us might need a little bigger pruning job. I'm guessing we got a few real sinners in the group too, huh? What do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on a much more serious note, pruning is necessary for fruit from the kingdom of God to emerge in our life. Let me just give you a really quick pictorial illustration. This is a picture of a vine that has not been pruned. Look at it. It's dry. It's lifeless, it's chaotic. I wonder if there's anybody's life here today that feels like that. 
I wonder if there's anyone whose life just is not producing fruit for the kingdom of God. The truth of the matter is, is that keeping vines healthy so that they bear fruit necessitates pruning. It necessitates pruning. We have to do it. We have to get at those elements of our life that are connected to things that are, that are not Christ-like. So let's just ask the question. And my guess is that all of us have some of those points of connection, don't we? And we can look at the easy things like addictions, for example. We all, we all recognize that some of that has to go. But how about how you spend your time? And if you're spending your time in such a manner that you aren't able to tend to the most important things in life, like your family, significant relationships, is there some pruning that's needed? How about the stuff that erodes at our identity? I mean, social media is probably the greatest culprit. Does that need to be pruned away? How about this question? Any of you have any attitudes that are ungodly? Any attitudes that are ungodly that lead to ungodly behaviors? I wonder if those need to get pruned away as well. See, pruning allows for the vine to maximize its purpose. It clips away all of that other stuff so that the energy that comes from the vine can be pointed in the proper direction so that it can be as fruitful as it can possibly be. So let's just ask the question, all of our campuses, those online, is there anything that needs to be pruned from your life so that you can bear fruit for the kingdom of God? One of the things that I love about Jesus is that he, he doesn't leave us with what we need to be separated from. He points us to what we need to be connected to as a part of this larger process. So here's what he says. He continues in verse 4. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Another translation is, abide in me, and I will abide in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. Let me read that again. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. The question that emerges in this section about remaining and abiding is, is really simply this. How's your relationship with Jesus? How is your relationship with Jesus? How is your prayer life? How is your scripture reading? How is your, your heart of service? How are you engaging other people? How's your relationship with Jesus? That's at the heart of this notion of abiding. 
See, you can't just, you can't just clip things away and then not be abiding in Jesus and, and assume that you're gonna bear fruit. There's both things that have to happen simultaneously. We have to be separated from some things and more deeply connected to other things. So how's your relationship with Jesus? How's your relationship with Jesus? Pruning allows the vine to maximize its purpose only when we are connected deeply to that vine. Now I want us to remember here what we're talking about. We're talking about individuals who have walked through these challenges. So these challenges are come and see, and so they've come and seen Jesus, they've evaluated his truth claims, they've decided to follow him, they've, they've made him Lord and Savior of their life. They have gone out into that deep water and, and they have focused in on others purposefully, intentionally, and now they're at that point where fruit is starting to be born in their lives so that others will see who Jesus is for them. Others can see Jesus in their life. The fruit of the Spirit begins to be born in their heart by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And now others begin to take notice of what is transpiring in their world. And that, my friends, is how the early church left and multiplied its spiritual legacy. That is how the early church went from a handful of believers to over five million in a 300-year window of time. That is how the church of Jesus Christ has moved through places that, that are not open to the proclamation of the gospel. Places, places like China and, and some parts of India and parts of Africa. They've gone from person to person and house to house and village to village. And if we're gonna be honest, we're all here today because of that same movement. Each and every one of us is here today because of that same movement. A person, or probably more likely, persons in our life who were living a Christ-like life, who were proclaiming the gospel of Jesus, who were bearing fruit, and it got replicated into the very depth of our heart. These are people like moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, aunts, uncles, friends, neighbors. See, the truth of the matter is this, that most people don't come to faith in Jesus because of what happens inside the winery of the church, the church building. Most people come to faith in Jesus around dinner tables and playing backyard games and walking the halls of businesses and engaging in neighborhood conversations. As the fruit of the, of the Spirit is born in our lives, as seeds of faith are planted, the goodness of God overflows into the lives of other people. That's how most people are brought to faith in Jesus Christ. And that's us. That's where we come in. It's, it's our fruit that is born. By the power of the Holy Spirit, it flows to us and then through us out into the lives of other people so that they might taste and see that the Lord is good. Let me give you just a, a couple of really quick illustrations of this. Um, one of those, I just want you to understand this principle of multiplication a bit. Here's what I want you to imagine. One person who is passionate about following Jesus, and that person 
goes out, and over the course of a year, one year, 365 days, engages another person, invites them into relationship with Jesus Christ, and that other person becomes a Christian, starts to follow Jesus. At the end of year one, you have two people. Those two people go out the next year, and each of them engages one other person, invites them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Those individuals come to faith. At the end of year two, you have four people. At the end of year three, you have eight people, four, 16 people. You know what you end up with after 20 years? 1,048,576 people, one person at a time. Amen. Church, don't ever in your mind believe that the one doesn't matter. It absolutely does. Who's that one in your life? Let me put some flesh on the bones of those numbers. So there's a, an organization that I've been connected to for a number of years. It's called Athletes in Action. I've been connected to them since about 2013. Athletes in Action is the athletic version of Campus Crusade for Christ. And in 2013, when I first got to know the individual who was overseeing Athletes in Action, there were about 20 students involved at the University of Minnesota. Um, today, there are over 400 students involved at seven campuses here in the Twin Cities metro area. And that includes two years where they could have no contact with athletes because of COVID. God has moved in remarkable ways. Remarkable ways. What's important about this is to recognize the trajectory that this has taken. And there was a few of us from Hosanna who had the privilege of going to an Athletes in Action banquet and seeing this firsthand. I'm going to put a picture up on the screen here. and You can see some of, of my friends. Um, and here's the story that I want to tell. In the 1990s, a gentleman by the name of Steve started witnessing about Jesus to the gentleman who is right next to the podium his name is DJ. DJ is wearing the blue sport jacket with a lighter shirt underneath. DJ came to faith in Jesus Christ. DJ then witnessed to Luke, who was right next to him, the tall guy. He's a baseball player at the University of Minnesota. Luke came to faith in Jesus Christ. Luke ultimately took over the operations of athletes in action at the University of Minnesota in 2012-2013. Right next to Luke, you have Tyler. Tyler came to faith in Jesus Christ after Luke had witnessed to him. Tyler then witnessed to Aaron and Ryan. Aaron and Ryan came to faith in Jesus Christ after Tyler had witnessed to them. And then here's what happened. They asked everybody that Tyler, who, who Aaron and Ryan were witnessing to today, who were part of the discipleship process because of them today, to stand. And there were about 20 young men that stood. There it was, right in front of us, the grace of God being poured out, the message of Jesus Christ bearing fruit in the lives of other people, multiplication happening, the fruit of the Spirit being born. And each and every one of them knows something vitally important about this calling. Because a lot of times we get freaked out and I don't, I don't have it in me, Lord. Well, it's not about having it in you. It's about the Lord being in you. And that's what they understood. And that's what Jesus points to when he commissions his disciples. Let me read from you from Matthew 16. Or my mistake, Matthew 28, starting at verse 16. Here's what it says. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Did you hear that? All authority has been given to me. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, that is the authority that's bestowed to you. All authority has been given to Jesus. And when Christ is in you, that is the authority that you carry. See, authority from Jesus comes from abiding in Jesus. And when the authority from Jesus starts pouring into our life, fruit is born. Fruit that carries the sustenance of goodness. Fruit that multiplies the kingdom of God because of the seeds of faith that it carries. In essence, here's what Jesus is saying. I recognize you're just average, everyday human beings. It's scary to do this on your own. But I'm with you. And not only am I with you, I'm in you. And so in that conversation that, that you're afraid to have, let me pour to you and then through you. Bear fruit in my name. Bear my grace. And when Christ starts to pour to us and then through us, his grace flows through us and his truth flows through us and his hope flows through us and his love flows through us and his peace flows through us. And the people around us taste and see that the Lord is good and the seeds of faith get planted deep within. This is the last week of our Follow Me series, and it really is about sending all of us out uh, to be disciples, to be followers of Jesus, to bear fruit, fruit that will last. We don't do it on our own. We walk people through, and this is something Hosanna is committed to, inviting people to come and see, inviting people to follow him, follow Jesus, inviting them out into the deep waters so that they can follow and fish, and then inviting them to be deeply connected to the vine so that Christ himself flows to them and through them so that they might bear much fruit, fruit that will last. I'd like for us to uh, close our time today in uh, some prayer, but prior to that, we're gonna read a passage of scripture. And in this passage of scripture, I want you to hear Jesus speaking to you. So at all of our campuses, we're going to read this together. It comes at the very conclusion of the passage that we've been talking about today from John 15. John 15, verses 16 and 17, you find it up on the screen. Let's read this passage together and hear the voice of the Lord speaking to you. Let's read together. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. As I close, I'd, I'd just love to do uh, some prayer ministry with all of you in three areas. Uh, one is, is there anything in your life 
that needs to be pruned away so that you can bear more fruit for the kingdom of God. And would you just be honest in your heart about that? We all know the, the reality of stuff that we're connected to that's not of God, that's pulling us away. So I'm gonna just ask for your honesty between you and the Lord when I come to that point in the prayer. Secondly, I wanna pray for those here today who are feeling separated from the vine, disconnected from the vine. And I wanna pray that, that you would abide in him and that he would abide in you. That you would take some of those intentional steps to, to get connected to the person of Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Because it's only through abiding in him that we can bear fruit at all. And then finally, for all of us, I, I wanna pray a prayer of commissioning that we might bear fruit. And as I pray that prayer of commissioning, I'd like you to just ask the question, who's the one? Who's the one? Who's the one in your life that is hungry, that's hurting? Who's the one in your life that needs to know Jesus? It might be another person in your family, it might be a friend, neighbor. Who's the one? Church, would you bow your head at all of our campuses? Let's pray together. And if you would, please just extend your hands. Father, we come to you today recognizing that this invitation that we've been giving to go and bear fruit is not something we can do on our own. We need you to do a couple of things. Father, first we need your help, your assistance in cutting away all of those things that we're connected to that are not of you. Church, in just a moment of silence, would you just bring to the Lord anything that you're connected to that is not bearing fruit from the kingdom of God and, and humbly ask the Lord to prune that away from your life? Father, I thank you for the work that you're already doing and bringing about a sense of conviction and a willingness to begin separating our lives from the stuff that is not producing fruit for your kingdom. And now I pray, Father, for those who are here who feel separated from you, uh, maybe for a very long time, maybe they've never been connected to you, and I, I pray, God, that today would be the day that in their heart they would just say, Jesus, you are my Lord. I yearn to be connected to the life giving movement of your spirit in my life. If you're here today and, and you need to be connected to that vine, just bring a prayer before the Lord asking him to get you connected by the power of his Holy Spirit, that you might remain in him as he remains in you, might, you might abide in him as he abides in you. And finally, Father, uh, I pray a prayer of commissioning over all people online at all of our campuses that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we might bear fruit, fruit that will last, fruit that contains your goodness and mercy so that when people taste our lives, they taste and see that the Lord is good, fruit that contains the seeds of faith so that those seeds of faith can get planted into the hearts of people who are yearning for something more. Come Holy Spirit, 
commission each and every one of us for your name's sake. Make us bearers of fruit for your kingdom in our character, in our daily lives, in how we speak, and in how we proclaim your good news into the lives of other people. And we pray it all in the name of Jesus, who is our Lord and Savior. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.